Oh, I'm so glad to see you this morning. Aren't you glad to be in church? Amen, amen, amen. I am so glad to be here today. I um, look forward to every Sunday, but really have looked forward to this Sunday. They told me last week, because it was in October, that um, we needed to change the series title from Ghost Stories to something else. And I said, well, I wasn't thinking about Halloween. I was thinking about the Holy Ghost. And they said, well, let's change it. So today, we're still in a series called Ghost Stories, but we're not going to call it that, okay? Because it's not October anymore. And I hope that satisfies the staff and everybody. But we're not in a series called Ghost Stories, but we're still talking about the Holy Ghost. We've talked about who he is. We've talked about the anointing that he gives us and brings into our lives and how that anointing abides and it doesn't leave and that we all have an anointing. We've talked about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, but we've also talked about the gifts of the Spirit, how God gives each of us a supernatural gift that is different from a talent, but he gives us a gift that only takes place in our life when we're born again. And we looked at those gifts last week, and we also said that all those gifts could be seen perfectly in the life of Jesus. Well, today, I want to talk to you about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And I think it's important because I've had a number of you say to me already, say, you know, Pastor, this has really made me hungry. I, I want more of the Holy Spirit. I, I'm hungry for more. And I've shared with you how that, and those of you that have said that question, you've made that question to me, I've shared with you, you already have the Holy Spirit. You, God has poured him all into your life. When Jesus sent his spirit, he poured out his spirit upon you. You are full of the Holy Spirit. It's not more of the Holy Spirit to get, it's how much of you does the Holy Spirit have. You see, when you look at Pastor Rick, he's, he's one of the godliest people I know. He's a godly man. You look at Corey. Corey is a godly husband, a godly dad. He's a godly youth pastor. And the question is not, do they need more of the Holy Spirit? The question that I, that I can answer for you in their lives is that the Holy Spirit has all of them. And he takes residence in your life and he, he fills up every space. He fills up every room. He fills up your basement. He fills up your bedroom, your family room. He fills up your shop. He fills up your kitchen, your bathroom, your attic. God fills every available space of your life that you give to him. And so sometimes I've said to people, I says, have you given him your finances? Have you given him your marriage? Have you given him your family? Have you given him your talents, your treasures? Are you giving God everything and allowing him to fill up all the space in your life? Because the question is not, do I need more of the Holy Spirit? The question is, are you allowing the Holy Spirit to have free reign in your life? And so really, just like we looked at last week, and I know this is kind of a scary word for people, we're talking about moving from the natural life into the supernatural life. And here at Woodland, when we talk about the supernatural, we're not talking about going weird or anything crazy. We're just simply talking about the life that God says that we can live. We're talking about the kind of life that God wants us to be able to live. And so I thought the way I'd try to illustrate that this morning and talk about the fruit of the Spirit is I brought something that I haven't seen in a long time. Matter of fact, I had to look hard to find one of these. And I just wonder, how many of you know what this is right here? <laughs> Do you know what this is? How many of you have never seen one of these before? Can I, if you've never seen one of these, can I see your hand? All right. How many of you have never used one of these before? Can I see your hand? All right, several. In the first service, we had a teenager just look and go, I've never seen one and never used one. This is a phone. It's a phone. You can talk on it. I had them clean it before I used it, you know. You can talk on this thing. And when, when we were kids, Mama, we had like a 30-foot cord on this thing so we could walk around so you and Daddy couldn't listen to us when we were talking to people we didn't want you to know we were talking to or we wanted to talk to our girlfriend. And so, you know, this thing is really, really cool. When, when this thing came out, this was a quantum leap in technology. You didn't have to have a telegraph anymore. It's a phone. You can 
talk on it. It is so cool. How many of you would like to go back to this? You're kidding, really? <laughs> You'd like to go back just to talk on the phone. How many of you know what this is? This is also a phone, right? This is a phone. You can talk on it, okay? But this to this, I, I think I can use that word now without any hesitation. This is a quantum leap to this thing right here. I mean, because there has been an internal change that has resulted in an external change. This thing weighs 27 pounds. This thing weighs just a few ounces right here. There has been a, an internal change that has made life lighter, that has made life lighter. And this thing is so cool. I can text message you on it. I can take pictures and send it anywhere in the world I want to. I can tell this phone, say, hey, phone, I want to go to Atlanta, Georgia. And the phone will talk to me all the way. And if I make a wrong turn, it will say, Dennis, you need to turn around, make a U-turn, and go back the other way, and then make a right turn. It's the coolest thing in the world. I took this phone out, and I walked around the neighborhood, and I couldn't catch a single Pokemon with it. <laughs> I mean, it just won't do. I tried to make it send a text. It won't send a text. I tried to take a picture. It won't send a picture. And the difference is this phone has had an internal change and has become externally different. It has become lighter and it's become more powerful. How many of you would like to have a life full of light, a life that is carefree, and a life that is more powerful to do everything that God wants you to be able to do? Let's give him a hand of praise for that. <laughs> Hallelujah. I think that in my mind and in my thinking is a kind of a crude but a simple illustration to say that this phone and this phone are the same thing, it's just not true. This is a, an, a dumb phone. This is a smartphone. Smart people know Jesus, right? Smart people live for Jesus. Smart people find out that God does amazing things in their life. And that's what I mean by when I'm talking about we move from the natural to the supernatural as God infuses by his Holy Spirit a brand new operating system in our life. He does something completely different and something new. And I promise you, if you're open to it, he'll do it for you. If you're open to Jesus, he will do it for you, and he will fill you with his spirit, and he will totally, totally change your life. Stand with me this morning, and let's go to the scripture. This morning, we're going to go to the book of Galatians, chapter 5, as we continue to talk about the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Paul writes a lot about the work of the Spirit of God in Galatians, because the Galatians are wanting to go back to an old operating system that wasn't producing the life change. As a matter of fact, Paul would um, say something that sounds really kind of insulting to them. He'd say, you foolish. One translation says, you stupid, and, and really that works. It's not an inaccurate thing. He says, how stupid it is to go back and to that old life where you thought you could, could change yourself, control yourself by the law. The law never changed anybody. It wasn't that the law was bad. This is not bad. As a matter of fact, some of you said this morning, I'd love to go back to this, you know, maybe because you just don't want this with you all the time. It's not that the law was bad, but he says, you foolish Galatians, God has put a whole new operating system in you called the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. And so he says, begin reading at verse 16, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. But the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. Now, let me stop and just give a little interpretation right there. Sometimes people say to me, if I was really saved, then I wouldn't have these thoughts or I wouldn't have these desires. That's not true. For in the infinite wisdom of God and the love of God, I don't understand why. It's not my job to understand it. It's my job to proclaim it. 
we still have this lower nature that battles against the spirit of God, this new nature that's within us. That's the reason that we don't believe in sinlessness before we get to heaven. That's the reason that there's some churches, uh, there's small churches that, that de- teach complete sanctification, that you can be totally sanctified and never sin. That's just not true according to Scripture. You're going to find yourself sinning less and less as you go, grow in Christ. But you'll have this constant, these two, for, read it with me, these two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you, talking about the Galatians, you are not free because you're trying to go back to this old operating system. The law cannot do for you what the Spirit of God can do for you. So he's saying you've got to let the Holy Spirit, does that make sense? Are you following me? So don't get discouraged when you desire things or you feel things that you know aren't God. Don't give in to them. Because that's what Paul is saying here. He says, don't rely on self-discipline. Don't rely on the law. Rely on the spirit because that's the smart thing to do. You've got a whole new operating system. Let's, let's keep reading. But when you, are under, when you are directed by the spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry. By the way, idolatry in the Bible is the highest form of sin because it tries to replace God with something else. Sorcery, which is trying to make something supernatural happen outside of God's work and God's will. Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, isn't that kind of a picture of our nation right now? The decision, dissension and the division and the envy and the jealousy going on? Drunkenness while parties and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Read it with me, please. Love, joy, peace, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. How many of you want that in your life? Love and joy. Look at your neighbor and say, I want all of that in my life. I want all of that in my life. How many of you, before before I pray and before you say anything, how many of you would like, you'd say, I really would like self-control so I don't fall off my diet before Thanksgiving. (laughs) Now, I promise you, on Thanksgiving, I'm going to sin very boldly. <laughs> but right now, I want the self-control that I don't fall off the wagon, that I, that I stick to my diet and I exercise. How many of you would like to be able to be patient when you're raising teenagers? Huh? How many of you teenagers would like to be patient with your parents who just don't get it? You, one brave soul raised his hand. The rest of you, just too smart to do so. Would like to have self control to stick to your budget that you want to make and stay on. Oh, yeah, you see, we want something that God will give us that we can work with one another on. I want you to join me in prayer right now. Father, when I read this, I see the character of God, your love, your joy, your peace, your patience with us. God, I see you in all of this. And I want you, Lord, because I know when I have you in abundance and your spirit has free reign in my life, that my life is going to radically change. So I ask you now, in the name of Jesus, in these next few minutes, help me to say only what you want me to say and work deep in our hearts and build a faith in us that we can truly celebrate your love by being passionate followers of Christ. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you. Get your pen out, warm it up, and let's get ready and go through this. Occasionally when I talk to people about this new life that the Holy Spirit gives us and what God will do in our lives, there are people that will say to me, they'll say, well, you know, Dee, I feel like I have some of that. I mean, I feel like I'm not a Christian, but I feel like I'm a kind person. I feel like I'm a pretty self-controlled person. I... 
I really, to be honest with you, I really feel like those characteristics kind of speak of my life. And I go, you know what? You're right. I, I do. I see that kindness in you. I see that gentleness in you. And I, I see that self-control in you. We're all created in the image of God. But what we're talking about is moving from the natural to the supernatural. Kino, where are you at? Kino, come down here and join me real quick. Will you do that? Come on, run, run down. Everybody give Kino a hand. Pastor Rick, come up here and join me. I got one more illustration I have. Now, Kino, Kino makes a lot of YouTube videos, and you're strong as an ox. I've seen you do things, and you're limber, and I'm envious of that. So I want you to take this ball for just a moment. I want you to hold it. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to crush that ball, okay? And Pastor Rick, I just talked about what a godly man you are and how full of the spirit you are. I, but you're also a pretty strong man as well. We've had to tell you to stop lifting some things around here. But uh, I want you to pretend this can is Ohio State. <laughs> and I want you to crush it, okay? I mean, cr- look at this. Go. I mean, you want to stomp it a little bit? Any Ohio State fans in here? <laughs> Now, Pastor Rick, I would submit you have pretty well changed the nature of that can, right? You have just really changed. Now, Kino, I want you to crush that ball for me, okay? All right, let me have it back. No, you didn't crush it. Crush that, look at this can. That's the goal. Would you crush that ball for me? You Try. Come on, you were strong. Come on, you got some coconuts right there. Crush that thing. Kino. This old man beats you. He's 72. You want to try again? No. I'm sorry, buddy. (laughs) Y'all give them a hand. All right, thank you. You see, this is what I try to tell my friends sometimes. Kino, I'm sorry for setting you up like that, but you're a good sport. You see, this can, it represents... And there's still Coca-Cola in this can. It just got out on me. That's what I get for messing around with Ohio State, isn't it? This can represents a changed life, what Jesus has done in our lives. When Jesus comes into your life, he supernaturally changes you. You're no longer the same. He puts a new operating system inside of your life. You react differently to trials. You react differently to temptations. You react differently to threatening situations. You react differently to threatening people. Your life has changed. And to my friends who say, oh yeah, but I, I've got some kindness. I've, I'm gentle. I'm, I'm good. I admit that. I have no problem admitting that because you created the image of God. I mean, sometimes when I read about some of the most corrupt characters in history, there are people that write about how good they are. I have a close friend who got out of of Europe uh, after World War II. He's a very elderly man now. He got out of Europe. He was a bodyguard to Benito Mussolini, and the person that got him out of Europe was none other than Himmler himself, smuggled him to South America, and I will never forget him talking to me about how kind and how helpful that Himmler was to him. And Himmler was such a butcher, and yet there was still some vestige of the image of God even in the worst among us. But here's what I'd like to show my friends. This is what goodness is like in the natural, because I can be good until the pressure comes and I'm no longer able to keep this ball squeezed, and then I bounce back to my fallen self. The self that the scriptures describe is full of dissension and envy and jealousy and pettiness. I can be kind as long as it pays and serves me to be kind until that pressure comes along and I'm no longer able to keep my old nature in submission, I can be kind. As a matter of fact, I can even demonstrate a certain amount of love. There is a a phileo love, a brotherly love. That's the Greek word, phileo. The, The Greek, I can give this brotherly love until I finally, my patience is exhausted with my brother and I can no longer control it and I bounce back to what myself is. And the difference is this, 
there has been an internal change. There has been a power that has changed who I am. The Bible says the old has passed away and the new has come. And the difference between goodness and the natural and the difference between goodness and the supernatural is the difference between this ball and this crushed can. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he gives you a brand new life. He changes you completely. Can we give him a hand of praise for that this morning? So what I do is I restrain myself, but when my circumstances or whatever changes, I snap back to just what I am. I remember President Obama talking about the nuclear arms deal with Iran and what we would do, and he says, we've got these snap back uh, 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 protocols that are built in that if Iran uh, violates any of these conditions, then we snap back to what we were and how we were going to react with them. Well, that's what happens when I try to restrain myself, when I try to be self-restrained, that suddenly I snap back when the pressure is too great. But here's what I want you to know. God is not angry at you especially those of you that are not a Christian. God loves you. God loves you just as much now as he will ever, ever love you before. And that's what I tell my lost friends all the time. God loves you just as much as he loves me or anyone else. God loves us when we are far and distant from him. God didn't send his world into the sun to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God doesn't love me because I'm lovable. God loves me because God is love. And that is a key point to remember. God loves me because he's love. John, 1 John 4, 8, God is love. John goes on just a few verses there to, to expound on this and say, we know how much God loves us and we put our trust in his love. Again, he says, God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. We grow in Christ. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment like those who live according to the flesh or the self-will that we just read about. We, we will not be afraid on the day of judgment because we can face them with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. How in the world am I going to live like Jesus unless, first of all, Jesus comes, unless Jesus sends his Holy Spirit and puts a new operating system in my life? They call this a dumb phone. They call this a smartphone. Friends, I got to tell you, it is insanity to reject the love and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. It is ultimate insanity to say, God, I don't need you. There will come a time and a day in every man and woman's life when they will stand before the presence of God Almighty and they will confess to the glory of the Father that Jesus Christ is Lord. Believe in him or reject him. Believe in him or say, he's a liar, but the day will come when we will all confess that he is Lord. How much better to do so today and let God make us into the kind of human beings that he wants to make us into. That's that new operating system, that new way of living. I've tried to help you see in this series that the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that God is one. We've talked about the Father, we've talked about the Son, we've talked about the Holy Spirit, and before I move on any further, especially some of you who have not been here, as youth pastors and children's pastors, Becky and I were always looking for ways that we could illustrate this so kids could understand it. And so one of the things I'd like to bring to you today is to think of the father as the son, the S-U-N, the son. It's 93 million miles away. You can't look at it. This summer during the, the eclipse, some of you maybe got eclipse glasses or you did like Pastor Rick and I, we watched it online. That was the coolest way to watch. Matter of fact, we ate hamburgers and watched it online, didn't we, Pastor Rick? That was a fun way to watch the eclipse. And, but you can't look at the sun because it will damage your eyes. It will ultimately blind you. But the sun is the source. That's what I want you to think of. God is the source. God is the source of all life. The whole gospel is included in these words in Genesis 1. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, life began with God. Your life, God loved you before he ever created the world. 
The sun is the source 93 million miles away and the sun, S-O-N, Jesus, he is the radiance, the book of Hebrews tells us. He is the exact radiance of God's glory and he comes into this world and he lights up our lives. He gives us light to be able to see our way. He gives us light in this dark world. We get understanding. We get illumination. Jesus comes and he lights up our life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But he also says, I am the light of the world. Jesus is the radiance, the light, and the warmth that you feel on your skin, the hot seats that you feel in your car in the summertime. If you've got leather seats and you sit down on that leather, suddenly you you lift up, you know, and pledge allegiance to all the heat beneath you. The heat is the energy and the power of the Holy Spirit. The Father is the Son. He's the source. Jesus is the light. He's the radiance. And the Holy Spirit is the energy or the power of God. Can we give him a hand of praise for that this morning? That's what you want to see here. And so when the Holy Spirit comes in, Jesus saves us from our sins. The Father sent his very best to die for us at Calvary. Jesus cleanses us and forgives us, and then he puts the Holy Spirit, this new operating system in our life. And what you see is that God begins to replicate, duplicate, put his very character within us. And when you read the fruit of the Holy Spirit, listen now, you're seeing the character of God. It was the most revolutionary, revolutionary moment in my life when as a young person in my early 20s, when suddenly it dawned on me what holiness is. Holiness isn't the law. Holiness isn't the old operating system, trying to restrain myself from being bad. Holiness is this new life in the spirit where God makes this quantum leap in my life and suddenly there is more power in me than I ever dreamed and God's power produces love and kindness and joy and peace and patience all together. It's not nine fruits of the Holy Spirit. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit and God begins to produce his character in us. That's why I say it's moving from the natural to the supernatural. And I hope that doesn't sound weird. That's just the amazing thing that God does in you when you commit your life to Christ. So let's take a look at the fruit. And I can't spend long on each of them because there are nine of them here that I'd like to look at. First of all, let's look at love. In the world, love is conditional. I'll love you if. Some of you grew up with parents who loved you conditionally, but God's love is unconditional. You did nothing to earn the love of God. You've done nothing to keep the love of God. God loves you whether you are loving or not loving, but the world, love is conditional. Matter of fact, 1 John 4, 9, God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. So his love that he produces in me, the church, you don't have to do anything to earn the love of the church. If the church is being the church, the world doesn't have to do anything to earn the love of the church because Jesus is head of the church and this body does what my brain tells it to do. My hand goes up, my hand goes down, my hands clap, I sing, I speak, I sit, I sleep because the brain tells me what to do. And when the body of Christ is functioning like the body of Christ, it's not all of us deciding what the body of Christ is. It's going to God's word and seeing what God's word says. Therefore, we go out into the world and we love lost people and saved people just the same way Jesus does. Can you say amen to that? So we don't have this conditional love. We have this unconditional love for all human beings. Joy is a contentment. It's a contented joy because the world's idea or my flesh, my old self-will, my self-centeredness, I'm contented if everything is going well. I am really content if I walk in the door and I smell fried chicken and mashed potatoes and Becky meets me with a big hug and a kiss and the children are ready to eat and they say, oh, welcome home, Dad. You have done such a good job taking care of us. Come to this bounty. That's a contented life. That's also a dream. (laughs) For some of you wives, you might be thinking that's a nightmare. (laughs) You see... 
Contentment is not if everything is going well in my life. With the Holy Spirit, I learn to be content. Look at what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 12, 10. I am content with weakness, insults, hardships. And I'm going, really? You're content with that? I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulties for Christ's sake. Read it with me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. There is a contentment that Paul has learned in Christ. Jesus said it like this. Even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Now, you may not know what that comes from. There is Jesus' teaching, and there is this woman all of a sudden, and I've preached in places where all of a sudden somebody will shout something out, and he's in the middle of his message, and she goes, how blessed are the breasts that nursed you. Well, Jesus just turns right around and looks at her, and he says, oh, no, no. Now, he's talking about the mother, his mother. He's talking about his mama. In the South, you don't talk bad about your mama. Mama, I never talk bad about you, not even behind your back. She's wagging her finger at me right now. In the South, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Jesus says this about you and me. Now, don't miss this. He says, those of us who learn to be content with God's plan, who learn to put into practice God's word, we are more blessed than Mary who bore and nursed the Son of God. Now let that sink into you. I couldn't just say that without feeling like I was disrespecting this precious woman, this godly woman, this young woman who conceived Christ as a virgin. I could not say those words, but when I read those words, and for years I pondered those words and said, Jesus, what were you saying? And what Jesus is saying, when you accept him and you put into practice and you live like Christ, you discover a greater blessing than even Mary had as being the Theotokos or the bearer of God, the mother of God. Friends, I think that's something we should give him a hand of praise for as well this morning. There is an incredible blessing. It's an incredible blessing. It's the reason we call it the Beatitudes, for Jesus says, blessed are those when you do these things. Peace, peace is that new heart that God gives us that celebrates God's love. The book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel prophesies about a day, and it happens when Christ would come, and, and he would take out this heart of stone within us, and he'd put this new heart within us, a heart that was made of, 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 not, of hardness and brittleness, and, and where we treated people unkindly, or we treated God callously, but a, a new heart that he would put in us that would celebrate the love of Jesus, that would say, God, I want you to be in control of my life. Look at Philippians 4, 7. Again, Paul, who talks about contentment, he goes, before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness. Now stop and think. This morning, my prayer for you, God, as we hold these elements, may we feel you close. If communion is just a ritual that you do and you take a cracker and you drink a cup because it's what we do on the second Sunday or maybe in your church tradition, you did it every Sunday. If it's just another ritual, it hasn't done you a dab of good. I've gone into those churches and I've wondered how can we both call ourselves Christians because when you go into those churches, they don't have a real confidence in the word of God and they don't have a real confidence in the scripture and people sing the songs because they have to and they listen to the sermon because they have to. And then I've gone into those places all around the world on every continent where people gather and they're eager to hear the word of the Lord. They hear the same scripture preached. They sing the same song. They take the same communion. They're baptized in the same baptismal water. And one has joy unspeakable and full of glory. And one looks like they're drinking pickle juice through a hose pipe. I'm telling you there is a difference when the Holy Spirit fills your life. There is a real genuine difference. You celebrate God's love because you've turned it all over to God. A sense of God's wholeness and everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens. Read it with me. When Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. I hope, I pray, look at me, that God has got every space, every space in your life. Because if Christ displaces all the worry, then you will know the wholeness of God and the peace of God that is described like this, that passes all understanding.
Amen? The fifth fruit I'd like you to look at, or the fifth aspect of the fruit I'd like you to look at, is, or fourth, is patience keeps going to the end. Patience keeps going to the end. Now, what's it like when you have this kind of patience? We don't go out much on Friday nights because we don't like to wait in lines. Matter of fact, we have discovered in Downriver that if you go out to a restaurant on Friday nights, unless you're going to a Mickey D's or something like that, you're going to wait about an hour. And I go there with the expectation. We went to one place to eat, and they got peanuts, buckets of peanuts. And you can throw the shells on the floor. That is so cool. I can do what I want to do and not get in trouble for it. And when we got there, they said, it'll be an hour before you can be seated. I came expecting that. I was patient. 60 minutes passed. They hadn't called my name. And by the way, some people had come in after me and they had been seated already. I walk up to the table and I go, excuse me. 60 minutes have passed. It is now 61 minutes since we've been here, and other people have been seated besides me. When am I going to be seated? Am I the only guilty soul in here like that? You see, this is the kind of patience that I'm talking about at the steakhouse. This is the kind of patience we have in life when suddenly life doesn't meet our expectations. I expected marriage to be like this. I expected raising children to be like this. I expected my job to be like this. How many of you know life doesn't always go as you expected, but there is someone in you that is greater than all the trials that you face in life, and God will make you more than an overcomer in Christ Jesus. Can we give him a hand of praise for that as well this morning? Hallelujah. Patience puts up or love puts up with anything. Trust God always, always looks for the best and never looks back but keeps going to the end. Number five, kindness. Kindness just simply means I'm available to other people. Kindness means I want to empower you. Kindness is not just stepping out of the way or being polite. Kindness is reaching out to build others up, to empower them, to help them. But now, if I'm kind like this, then what I'm doing is I'm doing image management. You see, I can be kind as long as it pays me to be kind. I can be kind as long as I know I'm going to be scaled. I know there's going to be a job review. I know there's, uh, the, my fellow employees are going to review me. I know my boss is going to review me. And, and so, I, I, I don't want to be kind. <laughs> I just know there is an outside motive. There is a law that is saying, you got to be kind. But how, don't raise your hand, but sometimes things happen before that review comes along. Sometimes you've had all you take and you lose control. And like an old Navy buddy of mine who retired as an officer from the Navy, he said to me, he said, Brother Dennis, sometimes that old carnal man just rises up inside of me and I let loose and things come out of my mouth I never meant to say. And I say, Gene, let's go to the Word of God. The Spirit and our self-will, or what the King James Version called carnal, they're always wrestling against each other, constantly in conflict. You can't control it, but God, if you will yield to him, God will give you the power. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love. We have all know what it means to have a friend that has a pure heart. I hope we do. We all know what it means to have that patient friend. I mean, we've tried and we've tried and we get frustrated and want to give up on ourselves. and that patient friend says, oh no, wait a minute. Just, you're going to get it. You're going to get it. Don't give up. And friends, the Holy Spirit is there, present within you. You've got a new operating system that is capable and he's present within you. I'm getting text messages right now. I thought I'd turn that off. There are people praying, thank God. <laughs> I theological disquisition. Do you know what she just said? I eschew theological disquisition. I, these things are of the devil, I think. <laughs> that is so funny, especially considering what I'm preaching on right now. <laughs> 
The point, she's been listening the whole time. <laughs> Maybe she'll get saved. I'll have a saved iPhone. <laughs> Never going to happen. <laughs> Here's the deal I want you to get. I forgot what I want you to get. Oh, <laughs> we, have those, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us that helps us be patient and kind to people even when we don't feel like it. And suddenly something rises up within us and we're able to do what we didn't think I could do. How? By the Holy Spirit within us. Not because I'm pure, not because I'm patient, but because the Holy Spirit is within me. And when the Holy Spirit is within me, that operating system is one of, read it with me, sincere love. Say it again. Sincere love. The next one is faithfulness. Faithfulness is being committed to God's will. Excuse me, goodness is a commitment to excellence. It's, you know, when you're living in the flesh, you just want enough to get by. We've all had employees. I was thinking about this this week. I had 32 people working for me at our church in Georgia with our school, and we would have employees. They just did enough to get by. They did whatever they had to do. And then you had those that just went the extra mile. As a matter of fact, one of our teachers after the first service came to me this morning and says, you know, I love my students. I care about my students. I'm there sometimes two and three hours later than I have to be. And I didn't used to be that way. I, I don't have any kids at home now, but I, I don't get paid anymore, but I'm there. Don't you all want that kind of teacher for your students that loves your child and cares about your child, that puts in the extra to see them? And the difference in this person's life is not that they've probably got a better degree. It's not because they're a better human being. It's because there's a different operating system in their life. They're not working for a paycheck. They're working because they believe this is how God's love is expressed through them. And that's building and equipping students. Let's give the Lord another hand of praise. That's me so exciting. Faithfulness is committed to God's will. Faithfulness is committed to God's will. In the flesh, faithfulness is, I'm loyal to you as long as. I'm loyal to you as long as you're a good friend. I'm loyal to you as long as you're nice. I'm loyal to you as long as you produce. I haven't said a whole lot about the University of Georgia this year. I've been very quiet because I knew Alabama was coming. And all week, last week, people were saying, Georgia's number one. I said, well, we don't know yet. Georgia's number one. And last night, I came to church deep distress because we were behind playing Auburn. And I have to go home for Christmas to see some of my Auburn friends. And I'm telling you, that's not going to be fun. Those war eagles are war devils is what they are, you know. And I'll go home and they'll rub that in. And, but last night I came to church and I, on the way to church, I talked to Andrew and I said, Andrew, is it wrong to pray that God helps Georgia? He says, Daddy, I don't think God cares a thing about Georgia football or anybody else's football. And I rebuked him soundly in the name of Jesus. And I came in and I prayed. I mean, I, I knelt right here for one hour praying in this altar. Did I not pray, Rick? I prayed sincerely. I wept in prayer last night. And then after the service, there was a man came up here and he had something so heavy on his heart he was talking to me about it. This man full of God, and I want to show you how the flesh works sometime. Pastor Rick, he stood right, and he never waits 15 minutes on anybody. He stands right with this, Look, and I can't see him here. I've been praying. I'm talking to a man who's real, and Pastor Rick's standing there. I don't need to even ask. I know why he's standing there. He's gloating. He's in pride. And as soon as the man walks away, he steps and says, Georgia lost the game tonight. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Yankees. fan. Whether they win or whether they lose. Over the last few years, there's been more losing. I'm a loyal fan, but I can't tell how many people have said, I'm not ever going to another game. I'm not ever pulling for them again. You know, we, we're like that when it comes to faithfulness. 
if people hurt us and suddenly we won't be faithful to them any longer. But God remains faithful to us whether we're faithful or faithless. You can't change the faithfulness of God. And the church, if Jesus is the head of the church and the people of God, we are faithful whether people are faithful or not. Our faithfulness is not measured by how other people live. Our faithfulness comes from a new operating system of who lives within us. That's why the scripture says, ye who are spiritual when a brother or sister falls, restore them considering yourselves lest you also fall. Can we give him another hand of praise for that as well? In 1 Thessalonians, we proudly tell God's other churches about your endurance and faithfulness and all the persecutions and hardships you're suffering. That's what Paul is writing to the Thessalonican churches. This is what John's friends told him. John's friends told him about the church that he was writing to. He says, they've made me very happy by telling me about your faithfulness and that you're living according to the truth. These people were persecuted severely. Life wasn't good. Life wasn't going well. Homes were being confiscated. People were being killed. Businesses were being taken away from them. And you see, we remain faithful to God if we've been born again, whether things go well or whether things don't go well. Because greater is he that's within us than he that's within the world. This phone cannot be this phone. And this phone cannot be that phone. I can't catch no Pokemon with this phone. I can try, but it's no good. I can't live and manifest the fruit of the Spirit with this operating system. But when Jesus changes my life, suddenly all things become new and I can do things that I never thought I could do. Two more, and honey, if you'd come on up to the piano. Gentleness is just simply power under control. Power under control. In the flesh, I'm just being politically correct. In the flesh, I'm just saying or doing the things because niceness pays off. I love reading leadership books. And I can't tell you how many books I've read where they've talked about saying the right thing whether you feel like saying the right thing, being nice whether you feel like being nice because of the payoff. In the church, we're gentle, not because it's a smart thing to do. We're gentle because our natures have been changed. When we moved up here, And our kids were small. We had a swimming pool in Georgia. And when we moved up here, we would go out into the backyard. And one of the things the kids said, Dad, let's put up another pool. And I said, well, it's on such a slope. Let's, let's not put up a pool. So we'd go out sometime to Lake Erie, to the Metro Park there, or other places to swim. But a lot of times, I'd take the water hose. And I have this adjustable nozzle. And I can remember I would set it on a mist or a, or a spray and they'd run back and forth. And I just used to laugh and love the fact how they'd run back and forth in that mist. That water hose and that nozzle though gave me a lot more power because it has a setting on it that when I switched to that, sweaty, that setting, it sprayed a stream of water so hard that if I'd have hit my kids with that, I would have hurt them. And they wouldn't have enjoyed it. And the next time I said, you guys want to play in the water hose? I said, no way. You're mean. You hurt us. And I think that's another good example of the difference between the gentleness of the world and maybe even some of the gentleness that law produces. Because the gentleness that law produces comes along and it lays down the law. It's the reason that the Bible says that the letter of the law kills. When you're a spirit-filled man or woman, there's a gentleness about you. And you don't have to blast somebody with the word of God. You can soak them. 
You can spray them. You can let the Word of God and the activity of the Holy Spirit be like a mist that penetrates the soul of their life. Gentleness is power under control. When I preach to you, I preach much, talk to you much differently than when I talk to our children or when I talk to teenagers or when I'm on a camp. When I preach to you, I talk much differently than I do when I'm in a business setting. Same truth, but a different measure of power. You have that. We have to use that. Preach the Word of God. Be prepared when the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. That's what Pastor Paul wrote to Pastor Timothy. And that's what I want to say to you. Teach well by how you live. And then finally, self-control is a life that reflects Jesus. Self-control is a life that reflects Jesus. This kind of self-control right here is called self-protection. I got to protect myself from you, from the world. And as long as I can keep everything under control, then I'm protecting myself. I got hurt in ministry one time, so therefore I'm not going to minister anymore. I got hurt leading a small group, therefore I'm not going to lead a small group anymore. I got hurt in marriage, so I'm never going to be married again. I got hurt when I confided in somebody to pray with me, so I'm never going to ask anybody. I've got to protect myself. Self-control prays like John. He says, Lord, I've, become, I've got to become less and less so that you become greater and greater in my life. Genuine spirit self-control says, Jesus, I want to get out of the way and I want you to take complete control of my life. I don't know about you, but I want all of this in my life because this is the character of God. Can you say amen? Here's the growth work I'd like you to take seriously. Number one, if you're not a follower of Jesus, commit your life to Christ. Jesus says, remain in me and I'll remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine and you can't be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This is you without Christ. Heavy, clunky. You can make a call. You can do some things pretty well in life. But when you commit your life to Christ, Christ does an internal change that bears external fruit in your life. And you move from a natural into a supernatural way of living. You decide, I want to become less. I want God to do a permanent change in me. And God does that. I can't, there are a lot of things I can't explain. All I know is that when you cross the line and you say, Jesus, I'm tired of trying to run my own life. I commit my life to you. God does something supernatural and you begin a brand new journey in him. Second thing is, I want you to attend Discovering Spiritual Maturity. You say, Pastor, I've attended it before. You need to go through it again. I was rereading those notes and looking at them again, and I found it so refreshing. How do I grow in Christ? That's what this class is. How do I grow in this fruit? Get to know Jesus better. You'll learn to love Jesus more, and you'll learn to imitate Jesus daily. And then this morning, for all of you that are followers of Christ, I have one simple question. How much space have you made in your room for God? Is there pride? Is there unforgiveness? Is there a sense, I don't need to yield my life to Christ? Are you holding on to some hurts? Have you decided, I'm going to serve God with my gifts and my talents that we looked at last week? 
I'm asking you this morning, does God have all of you? Do you find yourself going, yeah, I want this, but I want this too? There comes a point in our life where we have to toss it all in and we have to throw it all on the line. This is Jesus, today I want to take up my cross and follow you. I want to sell out lock, stock, and barrel to Jesus Christ. I want to invite you as a Christian to search your life and examine your life while we pray and for you to do that as well. Would you bow your heads with me? Spirit of the Lord, I'm asking you right now, would you just speak to every one of us? It's not a matter, Lord, that Pastor Rick or Pastor Corey has more of you than what any of us have. But God, you have all of Pastor Rick. You have all of Pastor Corey. I'm asking you to take all of each and every one of us this morning. Those that will. Those that will, Lord, take the basement all the way to the attic. Take the bedroom and the bathroom, the living room and the garage. Lord, make a sacred space out of every place in our life. If you're not a follower of Jesus, would you just pray this prayer with me right now? You just pray it quietly, but say, Lord Jesus, I believe. I want to be changed. I want to leave my old life of sin. And I embrace this new life that you have for me. Forgiveness of my sins. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness goodness and gentleness and self-control, Lord. I want it. So as much as I know how, I give my life to you. And that's how it begins. And if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, but you realize something's tricked you, you're not living where the Holy Spirit is guiding you. You've become almost bewitched by trying to keep the law on your own and something happens and the ball springs back to what it was. Would you let the Holy Spirit guide you? Would you recognize his holy presence within you? And would you get ready for more because God wants to baptize you with his spirit. So I'm going to ask you to pray this with me this morning. Say, Lord, I sweep out every room in my house of whatever pride, Lord, whatever hinders me, whether it's my image management, whether it's conditional love, Lord, wherever that shoe fit this morning, I'm asking you to come and fill that space in my life with your holy presence. I want to be like you, Jesus. Come and take all of me, I pray, in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I thank you. We can't change ourselves but you change us as we commit our life to you. And everybody agreed and said, amen, amen, amen. That's all it is to it. That's how simple prayer is. If you prayed that prayer to give your life to Jesus or you prayed that prayer, God, come and fill that space, that's all there is to it. Now, just get out of the way and let God have his will in your life. Make your choices. Put into practice what we looked at this morning, God's word, and God's spirit will empower you. And everybody that knows that to be true, say praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Ushers, would you come? We're going to receive our tithes and offerings today.
If you need special prayer after this service, Pastor Rick is going to come and he's going to dismiss you after the offering is received. If you're our guest today, feel free to let the offering pass you by, but this is when we worship the Lord with our tithes and offerings. But I really want to stay and pray with people this morning, so we're going to call this place right over here the bullpen. I'm going to hang out over here. If you need special prayer and you'd like someone to pray with you, and I can pray with you this morning, I'd love to do that. Corey's going to be at the back door. If you gave your life to Christ, please meet Pastor Corey and and just introduce yourself to him this morning. Or if you need other prayer and you just want somebody to pray with you, don't necessarily want to pray with me. Not I'm not anybody special, but I just, I wanted to do that this morning. And Pastor Rick's going to be here. Norma's going to be here. Our deacons that are here are going to be here. And we'll be glad to meet and pray with you this morning. God, thank you that we get the privilege of giving. I like to give, Lord. I like to give. And I thank you that there's such delight and joy. So now as we bring our tithes and our offerings, Lord, to you, would you receive them from us with the same love you gave them to us with? For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. God bless you.